Have you been wondering why you're here? You know, before we can answer that question, you must understand who God is and why he created you. It is because of God and what he has done for you that there is a plan and a purpose for your life. You are called out to be set aside from the world in which you live. This is Carol McLeod, and I am your host. Thank you for tuning into the Charisma Podcast Network. Welcome to a jolt of joy. Before you know why you were created, why you were here, who you are, before you can answer any of those difficult questions in life, you must know who God is and why he created you. You must understand what God has done for you. We're studying Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Just as God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Do you know why God chose you? Do you know why God called you out? He called you out to change you. He called you out to change your location and your description. He called you out so that you would be holy and blameless before him. Now, let me tell you, first of all, what this word holy does not mean. Holy does not mean that you're boring, that you're vanilla, or that you're judgmental, or that you're better than anyone else. Holy just means you're different, that you're different from the world in which you live, that you were really made for heaven. Now, remember, this is part of the blessing that God has for you in Christ that you didn't earn and you didn't deserve. So you're really not better than anybody else because you didn't earn it or deserve it. But it's because of God. It's because we serve a God who's rich in mercy and who's lavish in love that when he looks at you, he sees you as holy and blameless. He doesn't see you in your sin. He sees you in holiness. You know, there have been moments in my life when I've questioned God over this, when we've had a close to an argument over this. But let me just tell you from the get-go, God has always won when I have questioned him. But I've said to him, God, how can you see me as holy and blameless? I am not perfect. I blow it on a daily basis. And God, look at me. I deserve the blame. I am guilty. Several years ago, really it was several decades ago, I went to visit a newborn baby at the hospital. We uh, lived in the South at the time, and my husband was a pastor. And and there was a couple who went to our church, and for years they'd been battling infertility. For years, oh, the tests came back negative, negative, negative. And finally, through a miracle of God's grace, the woman conceived after nearly two decades of marriage. And they were so thrilled to welcome this little baby into their lives. And I couldn't wait to get to the hospital. I couldn't wait to get there and rejoice with them and and hold the little baby and pray over this life. And, And when I got there, the father was holding the baby. And when I looked at this baby, let me tell you something. It was the ugliest baby I had ever seen. Listen, don't get mad at me. 
I, I'm, I really am going to take this to a beautiful point. This baby's nose was huge and smashed. His little ears were gargantuan. Th- there was a birthmark on the baby's neck. And, you know, I'm rejoicing with him. And I said, oh, I'm so happy for you. Praise the Lord. Your baby is here and he's healthy. Praise the Lord. And the daddy who was holding the baby looked at me with tears running down his cheeks. And he said, isn't he beautiful? Isn't he just perfect? Isn't he the most beautiful baby you've ever seen in your life? Now, let me tell you something. This father was not lying, nor was he trying to make himself feel better. He believed it with every cell in his loving body. It's what this father saw because he had a great love for the child. Poetry tells us that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And scripture tells us that holy and blamelessness is in the eye of the beholder as well. God beholds you and loves you with his great love. And he has declared over your life that you, my friend, are holy and blameless. You're looking mighty good to God. There is no residue of sin or shame on your life. You don't need to wear ashes on your forehead. When God looks at you, he sees you clean because of the blood of Jesus. The word holy that we're studying in Ephesians 1, chapter 4, simply means set apart by God for service. So so not only that, not only have you been chosen or called out, not only are you holy and blameless, but also you're in love. God is in love with you. God is absolutely head over heels in love with you. He can't get enough of you. He's looking at your picture all day long. He loves hearing your voice. God the Father is grinning at your life. Now remember, according to Ephesians 2.4, it's a great love that God has for you. It's the greatest love affair known in all of recorded history. The Father's heart is fixated on you, his holy and blameless child. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. You've been adopted. You're part of the family of God. He chose you before you were born, before you were an X or a Y, God adopted you before your father's sperm reached your mama's egg. You were adopted by God and it happened through Jesus Christ. Jesus made the way for you to be transferred from the orphanage of darkness to the family of God. And it happened according to the kind intention of his will. That's Ephesians 1.5, according to the kind intention of his will. Don't you just love that phrase? According to the kind intention of his will. He longed for you. He desired you. He wanted you in his family because of his great love for you. There was no 
other reason than because of the magnificent heart of God. And in all of this, we have been given every spiritual blessing. We have been given a change of address form. We were chosen before time began. We are holy and set apart. We are blameless. There is no dirt or defect upon us. We are adopted because of love. He wanted us. He even longed for us. And then verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. And because of all those things, we're going to break out in praise to the glory of his grace. There's that word grace. Would you circle it in your Bibles? Grace is the best thing that's ever happened to you. Grace is better than being a mom or a dad. Grace is better than your job or your education. Grace is better than your spouse or your dream home. Grace. Can you just say it with me? Say grace and let that word settle in you. And then I want to remind you, there's only one place to get grace, and it's in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ, because grace is part of the family legacy of the children of God. Some families are smart. Some families are musical. Some families are athletic. Some families are good looking. The family of God gets grace. The word for grace is the Greek word charis. And let me tell you something. Grace, for sure and for certain, is the very best thing that has ever happened to you. In one Bible dictionary, it describes grace in this way. Grace causes joy. Isn't that good to know that because of grace, you can live a joyful life. Grace causes joy and pleasure and acceptance for a kindness granted or received. It changes the individual to a new creature without destroying his or her individuality. See, you're still you. You're still the best version of you, but grace has changed you into a new person and has given you a change of address form. It is so clear in Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved, that grace is supposed to cause an outbreak of joy. So for sure and for certain, God has some great stuff for you before you even get to heaven. And I can tell you this, if you're listening today, you didn't listen by yourself. You're listening because of grace. If you sing on your church's worship team, you didn't get there by yourself. Grace got you there. If you've ever been on a missions trip, you didn't get yourself there. Grace got you there. If you read your Bible this morning, you didn't do that or choose that by yourself. Grace did it for you. Found in John 15, 16 is a beautiful definition of the word grace. Although the word grace is not in John 15, 16, the meaning of the word grace is there. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. 
That's grace. If you want to know what grace is, memorize John 15, 16. Thank you for joining me on A Jolt of Joy. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can also visit my website at justjoyministries.com. It's my passion to help people live an abundant life through the power and principles found only in the Word of God. Email me at carol at justjoyministries.com. And as always, know that I am praying for you today.